Welcome everyone back to another episode of Dog Backwards, the place where we try to look at God, life, and culture from a different angle. Today we have on a very special guest. It's one of my dearest friends. His name is Andy Mullins, and he's actually a mentor of mine. The interesting part about him is, is that he loves God, but he doesn't necessarily go to church. He might show up on occasion, but he doesn't have a church quote-unquote home. So he's got a really interesting story to tell about how he left the church and still loves God. This is one you're not going to want to miss, so stick around. Andy has been somebody I've admired for a really long time. It Glad shows I have this part. bad judgment. Um, I'll do a full <laughs> intro later, but you know. Gotcha. Um, I wanted to talk to you because unlike a lot of people that I would consider spiritual leaders in my life, you don't necessarily have a church that you belong to, and you haven't for a long time. And uh, I'll tell a short story before we can get into all of that, but... I remember when I was a brand new believer and I'd kind of quit doing a lot of the stuff that I was doing into great excess and I got a part-time job basically filing stuff for you. Like you didn't really have much for me to do and sometimes I would show up to work and you wouldn't be there Um, and there was no specific hours to keep. And one day I was like cleaning the trash and there was a beer bottle in your trash can and I was devastated Because I was like, how can you be a Christian? And there is, and not like there was a 30-pack that you would drink. Uh There was a beer bottle. And I was really confronted because I had swung from one end of the extreme all the way back to total legalism. And it had become highly legalistic and was reading Tulip and, you know, studying Calvinism. I was becoming, I was on that road to becoming very extreme. And you very calmly were like... Uh, you need to loosen up a little bit, and you were patient to kind of maybe just question some of these things that I had about what I thought following God looked like. And you always, you've always done that, where we have this kind of preset, very American idea of what it looks like to be a believer today, you know. And uh, so through that, you you really impacted me, and I've always since then hopefully been able to show a lot more grace to people as they don't conform to this perfect Christian idea of what we think a believer should look like. So you used to be a youth pastor. Yes. And uh, maybe would that be a good place to start to kind of talk uh, about <laughs> maybe how, why you used to be a youth pastor? Uh, sure. Yeah. You, you want to ask me specific questions about that or so, you so lead in or? you the, the lead in is uh it was a fair sized church wasn't it i mean it was yeah, uh, yeah. good size good size youth group um i i was actually just interim and then uh associate right so so it was big enough that they had associate youth pastors correct yeah that's yeah. A good that's i mean that's a good size yeah, and yeah. it it probably could have been a like a career for you. Was yeah, that something yeah. you were considering? Yes, I did consider that at at different times. Um, I uh, 
had differences. My wife and I had differences of opinion on at different times, kind of hitting and missing that. But yeah, yeah. it was definitely uh, at one point a career decision that I was pursuing. So, and I was I was doing it. I was mm-hmm. doing ministry right. and was being asked to be a part of it um, on staff and and was on staff. Did it feel like, would you say, like it felt like a calling to you at that time? I mean, would, did you feel like this is where I should be and this, this is like, did you really love it and this was something that you treasured or was it kind of trying to figure out whether you liked it or not? What, what I loved was what, what I saw ministry, mm-hmm. what, what I believe ministry is and was, and, um, and I was doing ministry. I felt confident I was doing ministry. I was discipling people. I was encouraging people. I was, you know, leading Bible studies, um, pursuing God on my own and was seeing fruit from those, those things. So, so I was asked to be a part of different ministries. Um, and, and, um, I wouldn't say that I ever loved the official ministry. Yeah. Um, it was full of a lot of stuff that I didn't see myself really, especially younger. When I was younger, uh, I was more of an artist, uh, free, uh, you know, we should be just doing ministry. Right, we shouldn't right, have to yes. worry about budgets. The, the, hippie, and, the hippie pastor. Exactly. Right? You shouldn't have yeah. to worry about budgets and yeah. whether you scheduled the correct room or whether there was a bus available to take the kids where you were going to go or whether there was a licensed person to take the kids and yeah. whether you had permission slips and all that stuff. Yeah. All that, that was, those were things that were necessary. Uh, and I learned over time, but in the beginning, I was yeah. probably better working with college students than high school kids. Rob Bell once said something, and I know his name's not allowed to be spoken in evangelical circles, but luckily <laughs> we don't s- swim in those too often. Uh, but he says it's time to put the poets back in the pulpit. And I think that's probably why we get along is our personalities are very much the artsy, um, abstract thinkers. And so when I want to do something, they say, well, our insurance doesn't cover that. It rubs me the wrong way. I'm like, well, who cares? It's, the, it's just to the glory of God. God will. God has better insurance than State Farm. Right. We don't need State Farm. You know, we'll just go by faith. Um, so that the practical sense is not always easiest for us. Now, since I said this is what you used to do, give me is quick of an idea of why that is what you no longer do. What was the reason that you left that environment? Oh gosh, lots of reasons. Um, I think the, probably the point in time where I wanted, uh, to be a youth pastor and, and was willing to, um, deal with all my weaknesses and the, and the things that frustrated me about church, the point in time where I was most, um, on board, had decided this is how I'm going to solve the things that I'm not really good at. And this is how I'm going to help the main thing stay the main thing. I had my philosophy and my strategy and uh, I had grown up a little bit and I was ready to take on youth ministry. And uh, even though I had no schooling in it, I lots of, lots of buddies that were youth pastors, yeah. uh, you know, their knowledge would rub off on me, I suppose. But, uh, uh, about that time, my uh, oldest son got leukemia, and we moved away from Tulsa and the church where I had 
uh, not only the the best opportunity, but wanted to step into um, the youth ministry role there. So the the youth pastor that I'd kind of become friends with that had moved in after my interim was actually leaving and thought, well, this is the perfect time for me to do this. And um, we left uh, to St. Jude's in Memphis mm-hmm. uh, sometime after that. So that really cooled things off. And uh, I was forever changed after the experience of going to St. Jude's. So that kind of opens a whole other... I oh. get realign just the way you think and priorities or the way you saw the church and the way that did the way the church interacted with you during that times have any effect about the way you felt about it? Oh, the, the, uh, our local church, I would say our local church and churches in Broken Arrow, as they heard about it, did a tremendous amount of loving us and, uh, people, came and cleaned our house. And so we actually moved to uh, Memphis. So people came and cleaned our house. They offered to pay our, uh, keep our electric and stuff on while we were gone and pay those bills. Uh, people from our church came and set up a, uh, a big playground equipment in our backyard for when our kids got back. I mean, there was uh, just an outpouring of love and people giving blood and just, just a, not directly for Dylan, but there were blood drives kind of, kind of for him. So, um, that was, that was amazing. Um, because of the fact that we were in Memphis and the fact that, uh, he had no immune system for a long time, we were very isolated. So it was amazing. Mm Mm-hmm outpouring of love and it was isolating at the same time. So a strange, strange mixture. And I would say, uh, probably the biggest change that, that, uh, happened to us during that time was just a removing of, Hey, if, if I do all these things correctly, push all the right buttons, check all the right boxes, my life's going to be great. That fell away. Um, and our, um, I say our, I can't really speak for, for my wife, Christy. Um, we had a lot of the same experiences and we had different experiences during that time. But um, for me, I knew that Jesus loved me because he died on the cross for me. And that was kind of my bedrock. Right. Like, I know God loves me. This is how I know. Everything else could change tomorrow. Right. So um, that's very clean it's I would I would not say um, post that experience that I would want to live like that forever because it's it's I don't really think it's like from faith to faith living, right? But it was the bedrock I had to go to to kind of find my footing. So right. um, coming back from that, eventually um, my son had a bone marrow transplant, did well, uh, came back to Tulsa. We had a, a very isolating probably year and a half. Mm-hmm. where he just had no immune system, so he couldn't be around other kids and right. things like that. So so I couldn't really be the that involved. The pastor I, yeah, there with I, kids every day. Yeah, I couldn't really yeah. be that engaged in, in church either. Um, we would take turns and go, but then we would have to just make sure that, you know, be decontaminated after right. we got back to the house and while his immune system got better. Full so, hazmat suit as you walked right. into the house. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
Uh, not quite, but okay. but yeah, we got really good at washing our hands. Um. <laughs> you know, like you mentioned something, and I I find myself doing this, like because I've done stuff right. Because I mean, I'm a preacher, right? Right, and yeah. I, I have chosen God as a career. So if something bad happens, that's like the first card I throw down. But God, don't did you? You must have forgotten. Right. This is right. what I do for you. And right. it's not a lingering thought, but it's usually the first thing. I'm like, how could this happen to me? I, you kind of owe me. Like I've given you my life. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Not that you rescued right. me. I gave it to you because yeah. you needed me on your team. Right. Um, and so that kind of collapses. Yeah. So that and, collapses, um, and it 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 made me honestly way too dangerous to be a part of youth ministries. Yeah. Looking back at it, just I mean, too raw. Just too raw. Too raw. Yeah, yeah, too raw. Probably shouldn't be around a bunch of teenagers full of, you know, yeah, testosterone and emotions and all that. Uh, but uh, I did start doing youth ministry again, uh, and uh, I had some raw moments with with a few, and it got back to parents and. Yeah. Uh, Looking back at it was silly. I mean, uh, I it, was I was raw and passionate and right. much younger. So, well, it's it's totally understandable. I think we do it all the time. It's like somebody who's been to war and and they see a kid complaining about their cell phone not working. Like, sure, it, it, in some sense, it's totally justifiable to be like, "You spoiled little brat. You have no idea what's going on with your life, and you're an idiot." <laughs> right? Like, there's there. Right. It, well, it's justified. They haven't experienced what you've experienced. But to them, that is the greatest tragedy. So in some ways, it's relative. Right? Yeah, yeah. But, well, now I have, I've got uh, teenagers and 20-somethings. Um, so seeing some youth pastor that I don't really know very well acting a little raw. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. or, uh, or just acting differently than what I would expect a youth pastor to act. Uh, I mean... Right. I wouldn't feel comfortable. Right. You know, I'd, I'd want to dig in a little more. So, uh, without going into a bunch of detail, I would just say that that, that was a, that was a tough time. There was some confrontation, uh, with parents and, uh, it was just, I I don't even know how to nutshell it, but it, it, um, it was best that we not be involved with youth ministry. And at the same time, we'd just gotten back from that experience with our son and we're, we kind of went through a, a harsh rejection right during that time. So, uh, we were already kind of isolated and had been isolated because of his illness and because of his immune system. So we come back and, um, I, I would add this one this one other piece while the youth ministry stuff is going on. Um, it was just very difficult. We're very sensitive to any ounce of if you just do all these things right, everything's going to be awesome. You know, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Right. Um, which I think on some level is very true. And on other levels, following Jesus is extremely scary. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, if you just just take the Chronicles of Narnia, you know, he's he's not safe. Right. Uh, 
So, good, but he's not safe. He's good, but he's not safe, right? So, um, so we you, were just really sensitive. Anything in a sermon, or you know, yeah, like how you know, like the prosperity gospel is in just about every church, whether we realize it or not. Yeah, that there's some. Hey, yeah. cast your cares upon him. He's gonna he's gonna provide all your needs, and he does. But we don't realize how little we need. Like we can get yeah. by with a lot. Like right. what that right. verse does is lower what we think we need, yeah. not meet what we think is a need. There are so many songs about God being in control, and I've really never questioned whether God was in control. I I've just wondered, you know, how difficult and scary and hard will His plan, right. what He wants to happen, yeah. what He's in control of. How how will that impact me in a negative way, or how could that impact me? And I, God is good all the time. He's good. Yeah. Um, but that doesn't always mean rainbows and sunshine and like, like it's hard. God is good and his plans are good, but his plans for you might not be good. Right? So like I think of that Jeremiah twenty nine eleven verse everybody quotes all the time. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans not to harm you, but to prosper you and give you hope in the future. But Jeremiah, his plans were go to a people, they will never understand you, they will dislike you, and you're going to be the weeping prophet because you're going to be so emotionally torn all day long. You're going to be like manic depressive, right? Like you're going to be a depressed dude. And they will know you throughout history as the weeping prophet. Yeah. So my plans to prosper you and give you a hope of the future are to make you a depressed guy. (laughs) Where nobody listens to you, nobody likes you, you're going to run naked through the street shouting, and nobody will care. Yeah. Like, so that was, that was his hope, his hope, like his hope and future. What was good about it was that he was obedient. Right. But in the circumstance, it wasn't good. Right. Like, you know, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, it's not good. They were obedient and he turned it good. But some people get saved from the fire. Some people die in the fire. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, Yeah, I still don't know how to put all the pieces together on that. Um, but uh, moving on from that time, we're like, hey, uh, so I'm not a youth pastor anymore. We need to find a church. You know, we need to be a part. We need we need we need community. We've always yeah. felt like, hey, we need community. Um, you know, that's the inter- beginning of the internet time. You know, that was, I was actually able to run my business via the internet during that time while I was in Memphis and be a part of that. So, um, coming back, um, I was, you know, able to listen to just about any sermon by any pastor at any time. It wasn't about, you know, where am I going to get the best teaching or, you know, which is maybe what people would have used in the past to decide, you know, where are they going to. Where are they going to go to church? You know, need to find the best teacher in town. I don't know. I actually don't know how people decide how what church they're going to go to, other than prayer and asking God, which is obvious. But um, so we did. We had been praying. We were looking for churches. We would visit a church. Um, but what we were looking for was community. I mean, we could go. You know, the broad span of everything from uh, rock and roll worship down to acapella, acapella, a <laughs> choir, you know, singing from hymnal, not singing from hymnals. You know, they're just a, a very broad spectrum of churches in between. 
and churches where the sermons were horrible and had no points and sermons where they were, you know, very structured and, and a broad range. Um, but what we really wanted we was um, just community to experience community. Um, and we struggled with that. That that really became a, a, a tough thing to find. Um, and mostly because the small groups are really made for people to share, you know, come and be real and share who you are and we'll love you. And, um, but who we were and what our experiences were, were kind of rough. They don't have a nice bow and a, you know, this is the experience we went through and now everything's amazing and God fixed everything. And, you know, our story is still, well, you know, there's still some, uh, brain damage from chemo and the radiation and consequences that we still live with. And, Yes, we are extremely grateful that we have our son with us, but um, it almost it, seemed like whatever small group or kind of community you would go to was people that had been luckier yeah, than maybe you in some not. sense, or just they they say they can relate, and but you know, just for an example, um, my wife lost her dad. When she was, that's when I, that's how I met her. She moved back home to take care of her dad as he passed away from cancer. And so when somebody's going through that, I never counsel them on it. I don't know. I still got both my parents. My parents have never been divorced. So if somebody comes to me, their parents have been divorced and one of them's passing away, I can give dime store at best, right? Mm-hmm. Just dime store advice. Hey, hang in there. We're here with you. And I mean it. I mean it. Yeah. But it seems yeah. really shallow. Adrian, my wife, has an ability just because it's the same reason all war veterans like to hang out together. I remember what Nam was like. I remember it too. And that's why, you know, they they form, we form communities with people who have similar pain to us and understand those struggles, and you just couldn't find one. Yeah. I mean, there were, there was so there's so at least where we've where we've tried there was so much um of a need to for that small group to be this you know this is where everyone could come and share yeah. so we would actually hold back like we're not going to give you any of our opinions because we just want community we want to keep it nice and surfacey and just enjoy each other on a very surface level because if you start asking us what we think about some of these things it just makes people uncomfortable, especially when it, when you're talking about your kids. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people, if people have superstitions about what they're going to, what they need to do to make sure they check all the boxes, you know, at the top of that list is so nothing happens to my kids. Right. So our experience and our story is, is frightening. Yeah. Well, you know, it's like, uh, there, you know, there must've been something wrong or, you know, maybe you guys were doing something wrong or, or, um, that's, that's a pretty bold person to say something like that. I would say more of it was just, um, there was, there were certain bits of theology that they'd picked up that comforted them. And what we said did not smack with those bits of theology. So it made people very uncomfortable. Um, And I love Christy. She's, she, if, 
if someone asks her to talk and say what she thinks, she will lay it out there. Mm -hmm. Uh, I tiptoe around some things sometimes, but, uh, and so we just learned, okay, this is not the place to do this, even though these small groups are telling us this is what you need to come and share and be, uh, uh, it just wasn't that. What was the longest time span between when you, because you looked at churches for a little while, but then you just kind of stopped looking? Mm-hmm. And like, I don't, because I don't know when the last time it is you went to a Sunday morning service. What typically people would think of, okay, this mm-hmm. is, I'm going to go to church. Um, what was the longest span between when you went to a Sunday at a church, took a break, and then went back? What's the longest span of that? Well, there were years. Yeah. I would say probably over the past 10 years, there there was a segment of time, probably three or four years, where we didn't go. I mean, we may go on Easter or Christmas. I always thought it was funny. Because <laughs> you're, oh, you're one of those. I'm one of those guys. Yeah. And I, but honestly, I enjoyed it. I was like, wow, I really enjoyed this. Um, uh, we we would really enjoy the Easter service and, and the and the Christmas services and um, and we, you know we it's this is a tough conversation to have publicly especially right. yeah. because um, I've got brothers and sisters in Christ all over this town right um, and I would I would never want to tell them I don't like your church it's you know, right or it, it's not that it's Luckily, no one will listen to this. Good, good. Uh, no, I'm just I because we really uh, we want that community, um, and I and you know probably the next step that we took was well let's we'll do church at home and we'll invite some people and well um, you know like we were going to start a church or something. That's how you like, become a pastor, right there. Like yeah, yeah, yeah that's dangerous. it. So. Um, what we discovered really quickly was, oh, well, we have to solve all the things that these churches that we're not going to are solving, which is, well, where do the kids go? Mm-hmm. And when do the parents talk? And when do the kids talk? And, and you know, what kind of community, how are we going to create community in our house and living bylaws. on a Sunday morning? <laughs> Getting your 501c3. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so, so th- we, you know, we bumped up against that, uh, had some good relationships, had some good conversations with people. Um, but I didn't want to start a church. I, I, I was just trying to figure out how I could go and be connected with, with some. And, um, and I'll take responsibility. A lot of the, you know, going back to my point about not wanting to make a bunch of people mad right. that I don't want to go to their church. Um, you know, we're, they're just ways that we're broken. Like, and we're trying to find a place that we, our broken parts can fit. And I understand that, you know, church isn't about me, you know, we it's we we come there and bring our gifts and things like that. Um, I understand all those conversations, and we keep engaging in that. I mean, I, right. we've we've visited um, somewhat regularly a church in South Tulsa. Um, our our kids went to summer camp with them, wanted them to have that summer camp experience, um, and they enjoyed it and made some good friendships and relationships and. Um, there's just little weird logistic problems of well the 
more contemporary service is early in the morning and the mm-hmm. traditional service and the kids are falling asleep during the traditional service. And, you know, yeah, you know, I don't know. Uh, what, what I'm really interested in is we tend to think that, um, and there's some truth in it. I think that's why we think a lot of these things. So you know all the right things. You know, I know I'm not supposed to forsake the gathering of the believers. It's right. in the book. Right? We know what's in the book. We know we need community. And the catchphrase I hear all the time these days is we need to live life together. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows what that looks like. It hasn't really been role modeled for us in many ways. We're very detached in our relationships today. Um, so you know all these things. But then you take these large breaks away from churches with people that you like and you know care for you and don't necessarily have bad things for. And you're still growing in your faith with God apart from these organizations. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm curious is how did you learn to love God apart from to to, to use... Sorry, you can you can tell I deal a lot with cults because the first thing that came to mind was a Jehovah Jehovah's <laughs> Witnesses, God's chosen organization, right? That's the Watchtower. So you you are growing in your relationship with God, but you're doing it outside of a very traditional Christian mindset. Can you speak on that at all, or do you even understand how you were growing in those times? Well, it's not fair to compare this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm about to compare, but it's, it's the yardstick that I use for community. Um, it's definitely the rose colored glasses. And, uh, but my college experience when I was first a believer and had uh, great godly people around me, husband and wife and several, several couples. Um, and, other college students that were learning and growing and we just experienced community together. Right. Um, so I'm always measuring all community against that, that I experienced because, um, it was amazing and it was, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a lot of responsibility (laughs) other than make sure you go to college and get your degree or, you know, find a job or whatever, whatever small, responsibilities we had at the time. But I think that's what grounded me and, and, um, that's where I fell in love with God. Right. Was during that time. Um, and my relationship with God has deepened and changed over the years. Um, but I couldn't say necessarily that, any of that was a tied directly to sitting in a church pew on a Sunday morning. Right. It was the relationships. It was the community. It was doing life together, which is much easier when you all, your only schedule is go to class and then you have evenings and there's not kids and activities. So it's, it's totally wrong to compare the rest of life to that. But but it it is a picture that I have that I can say, you know, we were loving each other and we were seeking God and loving God and we were worshiping and we were the closest that I've experienced to acts was in college. Right. And I think that's probably true for a lot of 
yeah. for a lot of people that that time period. Yeah. Um, but uh, I should have gone to college. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I went. I guess officially, I went to a tech technical school, yeah. so it's not. It wasn't really college, but. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, that I mean, that answers it because I'm just trying the places that I've seen people grow the most. I don't ever have people come and say that one Sunday I came to your church. You said something that changed my life. Mm-hmm. That's usually not. It's usually the times you go and you show up at their house and you just hang out with them and you build this relationship and something is role modeled for them that they want. Like it's something desirable. They see either how you're dealing with something or they see how you handle stress or pain or suffering or anything like that. And they find it admirable that you can have hope through a difficult time. So, I mean, I was a youth pastor and I've been a pastor now for 10 years or so. And I, every now and then somebody will say, I remember when you said this, but those that I've seen grow the most are just those that I've spent the most time with outside of church. Mm-hmm. And so the last podcast we did was like on discipleship and what that looks like. And very little of it had to do with make sure they're there at 1030 um, because the sermon's going to be on this book, right? You know, so those that does play a role. I don't want to get myself fired from my job because my job Mm -hmm. is highly important. Right. Right. I mean, if if, teaching the word, if, if there wasn't a Sunday morning that we were sitting through, we wouldn't have gone to lunch together right afterwards and and had that lunch um so it, you know if if i wasn't uh in youth ministry going and sitting you know in the service and then doing the youth mm-hmm. ministry service i wouldn't have a lot of the relationships i have with right. uh people all over tulsa that and and that have moved off all over the place that i love and and really value those relationships so um I think of it like a dinner bell, right? So yeah. the dinner bell rings and everybody comes together. Yeah. And they're just eating. They're just eating their food. They're not going to remember what they ate next week. Well, right? Just don't make that experience so horrible that they don't want to come to it. Right, so they can... right. And so my hope is is that the food is good enough that they go, I don't remember what I, I learned. Or I think sermons help people short term, mm-hmm. right? There might be something that goes, okay, I'm going to use this this week. Or... It just kind of, uh, the metaphor is like a chiropractor. It's small adjustments week after week after week, trying to get them to realign and think maybe a little bit differently. But the major adjustments happen with the people they're going to meet here and the interactions that they're going to have. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so going full circle, that's, that's the piece that uh, myself, my wife, and my kids missed out on for that span right? and, and other, other spans along the way in the past 10 years. Um, and I, you know, don't forsake the public assembly, you know, that's in the, that's in the back of my, about, of my mind. Right. Um, because it's, it, it doesn't say, you know, make sure you sit for a 25 minute sermon and a, and a 15 minute worship period. And, a, you know, it, it's, it's, the fact that you're coming together. Right. And then of course there's lots of talk about discipleship and right. loving one another and eating together. And, uh, as often as you meet, you know, cause you still have a lot of people things. that you meet with and talk to that are godly people that invest in your, in yeah, your absolutely. 
Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But um, because I'm having lunch with other believers, because I'm, that doesn't mean my kids right. are, yeah. are doing that same thing or seeing that example. So, man, I, I've lost sleep over that. Right. And at the same time, um, on the other, so that's, that's one extreme that I've wrestled with. Um, the other extreme is, wow, this place is toxic. I have to get my family away from here. Right. Like, and, and, uh, uh, I've lost sleep over both extremes, right? Uh, toxic people and churchiness and the, it's, it's, uh, I've, I've wrestled with both and I've, uh, tried to not throw the baby out in the bathwater. Yeah. Uh, so I was going to say, because you're going to find a level of toxicity yeah. regardless of where you go. Yeah. And hopefully it's minimal. Hopefully it's not in leadership. Right. That's, yeah. Um, you can handle it. You can handle a lot of it within the community. Because they're people, right? But uh, there's a higher expectation. Yeah. When for the toxicity is in, is in leadership, yeah. it's... Um, I've bowed up against that and it's not, I've not fared well (laughs) for it. Uh, So yeah, we, we try to avoid that and that's, you know, uh, small group leaders, you know, finding a level of maturity and grace in your small group leaders. And I think this is where it's extremely valuable to have, people in the church so so like there's churches that have really young people and then there's churches that have a lot of really old people and i think one of the reasons we run into some of the problems we do is we don't have enough senior adults because i would much rather have a 70 year old small group leader than a 35 year old Hmm. there there's just there's only things you've learned with age like i've read books and I knew this information, but I didn't know it until 10 years later when everything hits the fan. Like, there's just things that you just learn over time. And the older people tend to be a little bit more patient and controlled mm. and measured in their responses and not so gut reaction as when we're younger. Um, you know, I think this is why God designed the family structure as he did that included grandparents, right? Yeah. The grandparents are the grace when the parents are law. And so now you have these young people trying to be law and grace, and it's a, not always the best combination. How have your kids, and you don't have to get too personal, but um, do you feel like they still manage to find their way regardless of this structure? Yeah, I'll, I'll give a... <laughs> so uh, we have watched their faiths grow. I mean, I would say all the way back to church or unchurched at about the age of seven, all of them made a decision. Right. Now, um, none of my kids have been baptized. Mm-hmm. They're, they've not been in a local church. Right. So, um, that's a big deal to me. Yeah. Um, and it probably speaks more to the fact that we've not had community mm-hmm. that that's where, that's where we celebrate that. I'm going to get emotional about this. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah. That's where, um, that's where we celebrate that. Yeah. You know, uh, I, the, the verse, um, I forget, I forget the address, but the verse basically where it's like, you know, where's, is there not some water here somewhere close yeah, by? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, there's some right here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that rolls over in my head all the time. And at the same time, I want, um, I want my kids to own their faith and I'm not going to, you know, drive them down to Catoosa first and walk them in. And you know. <laughs> it's not a bad place to uh, have you ever, cause I, I baptized my wife in, um, and we'd been married and she mm-hmm. was, you know, a preacher's wife. She's already supposed to mm-hmm. have everything under control, yeah. but um, she hadn't been baptized. Everything so under control. I, I baptized her in Keystone Lake. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about, since you're the minister to your family? I have. I have. It's definitely... Um, at, it's a little cold now. We've recently had conversations. Well, and I want to go back. I didn't specifically mean... I mean, I wasn't going to go to a local church and make them get baptized. Right, yeah. I got you. Uh, which I could do that. Yeah. I didn't mean to point out Katusa right. first. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I have thought about that. And some of that is me. I'm a Baptist. Mm-hmm. Um and whereas I don't believe that it's that act is saving them, right? I believe very much that it's a natural following of of God in community, right? That it's like, hey, I want to I want to tell people about this thing that's happened in my life and this decision that I've made and and where I am in my relationship with God and. Um, I think some of that uh, happens as they see other people doing that and people right. celebrating that and they want to be a part of that celebration. And they start saying, hey, you know what? I've never been. And yeah. they kind of have so, yeah. so again, it points back to community. Mm-hmm. And um, there is a point at which the lack of the, of community impacts the individual's relationship with God. Like there's a, um, I don't, I, isolation is just bad. It sounds cheesy, but my, the the saying, and I can't remember, I want to attribute it to to my dad, but um, it's probably not him that said it, but we grow better when we grow together. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And and there's truth to it. So um, maybe I can kind of, um, bring this around kind of full circle. And if somebody is going through what you went through those many years ago with your son Mm. and they're finding themselves missing a Sunday, another Sunday, another Sunday, they find themselves maybe not fitting into the place where they used to feel like that was home. And they're starting to go down this path where they could not go somewhere for several years. Do you, do you almost encourage them to go on the same journey that you did? Or would you maybe try to steer them back to something? Wow. That's a tough question. Um, I, I would encourage them to keep trying. Right. Um, and to be gracious um, on their part to not, you know, you can... You, if you visit enough places, you can get to the point where all you're doing is criticizing what's yeah. wrong everywhere you go. Um, and that's not healthy either. It's not going to, it's not going to bring about anything. It's good. super easy. It's yeah. super easy to go Absolutely. to a church and be like, this guy's an idiot. And, you know, these songs, these are, they don't really love G-. you. You yeah. know, you can be, uh, there's hyper Calvinist and there's hypercritical yeah. and they're both kind of dangerous. Yeah. So I, 
Um, first, I would say if they're in the midst of it, um, like 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 they're at St. Jude's or they're at yeah. some hospital or they're in the midst, um, reach out to whoever's there on staff, um, Christian, right. faith, uh, reach out to them because they are hearing, uh, they hear the same thing from yeah. other parents and other families and there's community there mm-hmm. in that we found out um, from the uh, one of the Catholic priests that was there at St. Jude's. Christy spoke with them. And uh, just the things that we were frustrated with was a very common right. among other parents right. in, in a similar situation. So that's a community. We, you know, we have lots of different community. It's just not uh, with a church on Sunday right now and hasn't been for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but that's, I would say start start there with other people that are in the same boat or a similar boat that you're in. Right. Connect with them because you are going to be different after experiences like that. It, you just are. You're just changed. You're different. You're going to see things differently. Um, so it, You know, it's kind of, it removes a veil or two and you can never put it back and kind of go back to this previous... Yeah, mentality that you had, even though you might want to, you're like, man, I was living yeah. in a sweet spot of yeah. ignorance, where everything was rainbows and sunshine. You <laughs> know, you had your wife, you're on your career, you got these great kids, and yeah, you know, and you're doing art on the side and all this stuff. Um, and I that, did, I yeah, go ahead. No, I, I it just reminds me of. Uh, I mean, that's exactly, that's exactly it. Maybe not that everyone else is idiots, but, but right. like. The day uh, Dylan was diagnosed with leukemia, they rushed him into the hospital, did all these treatments to try to get his blood count down. And, you know, it's just a whirlwind you yeah. know, for us hearing that um, and for him. Yeah. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. He's three years old. His world's upside down and they're sticking him with needles and he doing all this stuff. Yeah. And, uh, everything kind of calmed down. It was the evening. They'd finished a lot of the procedures and he, he asked me to come over next mm-hmm. to the bed and he leaned over and he was like, dad, let's go home. Yeah. And, right. oh man. Yeah. Like, okay. You yeah. Know, yeah. Yeah. Like, we're just going to pretend that this yeah, never happened. Just, let's get yeah. the heck out of here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, 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 um, you're just changed after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. so just uh, find other folks that have a similar experience. and Right. You want to give the people your number in case they want to call you? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> um, but uh, it, sure. it is true. You know, sure, I would be open to that. We, we tend to gravitate to people that we have things in common with that we love. Hmm. But sometimes it's necessary to gravitate to other people with things we mutually hate. Hmm. And we hate seeing our children sick. Hmm. We hate struggling with depression or anxiety or isolation and Mm. if you hate being alone find somebody else that hates being alone Mm. and you can hate being alone together (laughs) right i i I would rather that than just to hate being alone by myself um yeah so do you envision someday you being back in the church every sunday singing in the choir 
I never really sang playing in the, the banjo. Choir. Probably probably playing playing the banjo. Yeah. I never really sang in the choir, but um, uh, I don't know. Um, Service starts at ten thirty. I would like I would <laughs> like uh, I would like to experience more community. Yeah, and um, um, and we continue to continue to look. We've been more active probably in the past uh, year than we have in a long time. Um, so, you know. It's weird because as a pastor, there's, especially like of a church plant where you have a lot of people who didn't grow up in church per se, mm-hmm. um, there can almost be a hesitation sometimes. If you didn't have any like past drama or history or issues, I'd be like, man, come in our church. You love our small groups. Come on. You'd love to come and hang out with our community. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I can understand that unless you have people in the community that have some really difficult things they've overcome to invite somebody in. Like I would be nervous. I would be going the whole time being like, church, please don't screw this up. <laughs> right. Like you can cause damage, <laughs> it, but it's, oh. it's true. Cause, um, there, there are moments where there are certain people that I would love to invite to church, but I go, we're not ready for them yet. Mm. They, we, we aren't mature enough to handle the kind of dirt or pain that they might bring in to the atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, I, there are times where we could come in and be, uh, well, I'll say it this way. There are times, there are times that we are fragile. Yeah. And then there are times it's like, You're Joe uh, and Susie churchgoer. Don't, yeah, just, yeah. Um, it's not a big deal. It's not, uh, um, it's really, it really is not a big deal at all, except when it, it gets down to those, mm-hmm. you know, those real conversations. Yeah. And then it's, it's awkward or can be awkward. Um, there's, it's, this- I say all that. It's, it's probably been, it's been a few years since we've had those, those experiences. So, Reminds me of the Pink Floyd lyric. If I show you my dark side, will you still hold me tonight? Right. <laughs> and uh, every church should be a place where if somebody did show them, you know, we got gut level honest, um, people wouldn't react like, oh, um, they, they get uncomfortable by certain levels of honesty. So I think it has to be role modeled by those in leadership that, Honesty is not ugly. It's required. Mm. Um, there should be some honesty from the pulpit and from the small groups and all that stuff. Where, yeah. I mean, that's honestly, 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 um, uh, it's, uh, I don't have any answers for that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, um, I just, I just don't have any answers for it. I'm trying, I'm trying to understand. I'm trying to understand, uh, how we how we fit, trying to understand how we use the experiences we have and share that with others, and and um, I haven't figured it out. I'm not I'm I'm not avoiding church because I've figured it out and the church is right. doing it wrong and right. they need to fix some things. I'm, right. That's not it at all. I'm really trying to figure this out for me and my family and um, and I'm grateful for relationships like yours and. Uh, you mentioned Jimmy 
like different yeah. folks that, that I can have conversations with and rattle stuff out and it doesn't, you know, they, they still love me tomorrow. You know, they, it's, you know, <laughs> right. Possibly. Right. Yeah. Uh, so grateful for all of those. And to me, that's, that's still in the, in the realm of not forsaking. Um, but it's imperfect. It, and it's, it doesn't fit the picture that I have from college. Right. Um, it doesn't, um, but, uh, I think it's, I think it's really interesting because most people are either in or they're out hmm. or they're just casual because they're a casual Christian, but I, I don't consider you a casual Christian. It's not just a, a side compartment of your life. It's a, it's no. one of the major facets of your life, right? You know, uh, I'm trying to fit church back into my relationship with God. Right, right. Yeah. And that's, <laughs> that, that's, uh, I think a lot of people have been down that path yeah. and I think they're, they have that sense of aloneness. Hmm. Um, I felt very similar for a brief period, not as long as yours, but you know, my youth pastor killed himself. And that's when I became an atheist. I said, there is no God. And I walked away from all of it. Well, then I get saved outside of a church, right? There was no, I wasn't going to church. Yeah. Uh, I came, came to the Lord at a Mexican restaurant where I was waiting tables, right? And uh, after that, I trying to find myself, I, you know, I started teaching eighth grade boys class at First Baptist Tulsa. And I wasn't crazy about the church, but I liked the youth pastor. He put, he invested in me and mm. he's still a good friend. Um, and then I got these church jobs and I never felt like I belonged. I felt strong with the Lord. I felt like God was using me, but there were all these, I was like, we just know there's something off, but we can't put our finger on it. So what most people do is they just leave. Mm. But it's great to see that you've always wrestled with attention of that God is a real part of your life. I've slept through some tension on some Sunday mornings I mean, you before. You don't hate the church. No. It's easy to hate the church. It's a, such a scapegoat to say, well, I just don't like the church. I got, you know, me and God, we got our own church and we just, right. but that you're still plugging away looking for that community. So, you got anything else to add? No. Let me ask you one last question to end on a high note. You used to do Christian T-shirts. Yeah, you did youth groups and camps, and oh yeah, what was the worst Christian mm. T-shirt you ever had to do? Oh my gosh, <laughs> how many Jeremiah? How many? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Did you do? <laughs> you know, I'll be. Uh, I'm just going to say that uh, there are some companies out there that mm-hmm. made some of the worst ones. And I just tried to avoid making any of those. Right. Like okay. there were, uh, I'll protect the, I'll protect their names, but yeah, just horrible, horrible, cheesy things. Um, I did, I did get a few calls for people that had visions that explained very elaborate visions. They wanted on shirts, mm-hmm. um, seven angels, and <laughs> yeah. seven headed beast. And, a lion and a sword, yeah. Yeah. Um, all of that on the pocket. <laughs> right. Know, we just need that on the pocket, and then, uh, yeah. Yeah. So none, none comes to mind. That no, just, nothing. No, we know, turned away a lot of those, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I just imagine, like, whenever something would become popular, like the Got Milk campaign came mm. out, all the youth pastors going, 
you know what? For RD now, it's going to be got God question mark. Can you do that in the same font? You know, yeah. and they think it's I, the most I original. Confess, I confess we did a couple of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's to them. That is the most original relevant thing. And it's like, no, 800 churches just did the same thing. <laughs> and so your your cutting edge thing was not cutting edge at all. Yeah. Well, Andy, thanks for your time. I appreciate you coming by and chatting yeah. with us. And I hope that would, um, I hope it can help somebody. I hope somebody hears yeah, this absolutely. and they relate. So appreciate it. You're welcome.